Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 68. My name is Damien Ross, and I'm the host of the Rootless Living Podcast and the publisher of the Rootless Living Magazine. I've been a full-time RVer and digital nomad since 2017. If you haven't already, head over to rootlessliving.com and grab a free digital subscription and start reading the only magazine that is covering what it is like to live a life that is still full of travel while you're working, aka being a digital nomad. So on this episode, I chat with Kayla, and today we get to talk about what it's like spending a long time serving your country and now wanting to take some time to figure out what's next. But like always, before I say too much, let's get into the episode. All right, with that, I want to welcome Kayla to the show. How are you, Kayla? I am well, thank you. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for rescheduling. We had this scheduled a while back, but I was in the middle of a rainstorm, and I think people forget that I'm recording this while living in an RV which literally sounds like I'm inside of a microwave making popcorn when it's raining. So I appreciate you scheduling. <laughs> no problem. Where are you in the world right now? I'm actually in Biloxi, Mississippi, passing through. Just stopped to see my grandma a little bit, and I'm heading to Destin, Florida for a few days. Nice. Okay, so I'm doing a little thing different here in the show. Those of you who've listened for a while, I usually go into this like little rapid fire, but um, I'm going to try something different. So I know that you started traveling in November of 2020, traveling while working. And what I want to do is I want to go back to kind of like what that life looked like, you know, where you were living, what you were doing for work, and then kind of what got you thinking about this lifestyle. Okay, sure. So I was living in... Olympia, Washington. I was actually in the army stationed there, um, working at joint base Lewis McCord. And I had been interested in leaving the army and trying out some kind of nomadic living for probably five plus years, but I had a contract that wouldn't release me until, um, till 2020. So I was just waiting for that to happen. So I was living in Olympia and I actually was living in an 18 foot travel trailer at a campground for over three years just to, to save more money. Um, so it would enable me to not have to work while I'm on this kind of hiatus for a couple of years. Did you, the, when you were doing that three years, was, was it like just there permanently or did you do some traveling with it when it was there? It was just there permanently. And I was like, what is the cheapest possible way I can live in this situation while I'm working full time? And I just got the little trailer because I didn't want to tent camp for three years. I know have known people who have done that, but that was not going to be practical for me. So I had a storage shed for all of my like army gear and just other stuff like extra clothes and books, just stuff. And, um, and then had the little travel trailer and then I sold it before I set out on my trip. Nice. So you were living in a travel trailer and you didn't do a lot of traveling, which, you know, it's funny when I talk to people and they talk about being stationary, and, you know, it's, you know, at that point, it's like tiny living when you're not traveling in a way. Yes. But what it, my mind got blown a few podcasts ago, like maybe in the beginning, I was basically talking to someone that told me that they lived full time stationary, except for the weekends. And my, I think where my mind got blown was it, for most people that have an RV and a house, it's really kind of a lot to get ready to go camping for the weekend. But if you live in your rig full-time stationary and then just on Friday at 6 p.m. you wheels up and you go for the weekend and then you come back, that's got to be so much easier. And I know you didn't take advantage of that. I don't mean to rub it in, but I, I mean, if people are listening <laughs> and you're thinking stationary, yeah, I mean, it, it is a way cheaper way of living. But it also, if it is something that you can just on a, I mean, if you're stationary in the sense that you have to be there because of work, 
you can still get away on weekends and long weekends and your two weeks of vacation. So it isn't actually a pretty cool lifestyle. Now it sounds like, uh, yeah, totally. So you got rid of the trailer and uh, it looks like you got released from your contract. I think it's, you know, to be a real patriot, I'm supposed to say thank you for your service, but I, I do mean that. I, I think <laughs> anyone that goes into uh, any of the branches of the military, even, you know, I don't know, Salvation Army, even that one, think, you know, people <laughs> need to be, I always make the joke, if we ever go to war with Canada, we can send the Salvation Army and we'll still win. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but no, really, thank you for your service and, you know, thank you for holding out until you can kind of do, but what was the, was that the, the only obstacle from being able to really get out and, you know, travel or? Um... It, it, it was, you know, I had, I had the van, I had been looking for this van for a while and when it, when I found it, um, I like snapped at the opportunity and purchased it immediately. And so I had it for about three years before I left the army. So I was able to travel, take it on some weekend trips and kind of like get an idea of its capabilities and everything. But with the army or in any branch of the U S military to go on an overseas trip, you have to do a slew of like paperwork, jump over a slew of paperwork hurdles. And then even just to drive to Canada, you have to fill out special paperwork, but in the U S I mean, you can travel, but you have to take leave. And it was just a very demanding job for me at the time. I was in a particularly demanding position for me. So it, it wasn't practical for me to do kind of, it was a grind, which I'm sure many of your listeners and just Americans in general are, are used to as a grind. And like your weekends are for resetting, trying to prepare meals, like get errands and chores done. And so I was kind of trapped in that for, for a while. So not, not a lot of traveling. I'd done traveling on leave in between duty stations, but not, not a lot. And how long were you in the army? You might've said that. I was in the army for, no, I didn't. I was, I was in the army active duty for eight years. And then I was at a military university before that for four years. So like in that lifestyle, 12 years, but active duty for eight years. Gotcha. That's awesome. Yeah. And, um, so now you're, you're in the van, what's your travel schedule kind of been like, you know, besides visiting grandma, what have you been doing since you left in November, 2020 in regards to travel, where are you staying? That kind of stuff. Yeah, well, it has been, it started off a bit chaotic because this van was not a converted camper. Um, It has a pop top on it, so it can be used for that. But it was kind of someone had done a DIY kind of job on it. So it still was a passenger van. So it needed to be converted. And we didn't have the time or ability to do that beforehand. So our plan was to just leave, throw everything in that we might need, and we'll figure it out along the way and stop to visit friends and family and park there and do kind of things piecemeal on the road, which ended up being quite chaotic. So things have settled down now, but the first probably three or four months was like, okay, we need to get to the next place. We need to offload like a whole nother round of purging at Goodwill, mail some stuff home, take stuff, get rid of stuff that we don't need, and then try to get the floor done. So, you know, or rent a saw at Home Depot and knock this out. And so because of that, that that definitely influenced the way the build worked out, which I can go into more later, but it was quite chaotic to begin with. But now that that's been done and gone, we've just been hitting lots of national parks, um, parking on BLM and national forest land, primarily not really doing truck stop or Walmart parking lot type stuff because our van's a bit smaller. It's not a real stealth type van more. So it's more so like, Hey, go four by fouring out way out in the boonies kind of thing. So it's been great. It has been so nice um, now that everything's done and we've had a lot of leisure time, um, but it's an older vehicle. So there's been some mixed in like, hey, we need to upgrade the suspension or do this or that kind of project along the way as well. Gotcha. And, and let's go back to a little bit of the downsizing. So, I mean, obviously someone that's 
in the army, uh, less is pretty much more anyways. At least that's the attitude that I get. Just, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you're going from base to base, kind of the beginning school and stuff like that. And um, when you when you went to the trailer, what were you living in before that and how much of a downsize? Because I got to assume going from trailer to van is still you're still downsizing quite a bit. But totally. Do you have totally. like a square well, footage in the place before the trailer and then kind of the square footage of the trailer and now the van? I think people like getting their mind blown on how small that is to really transfer. Down. It is, it is really small. So I was living in an apartment before at a previous duty station and moved all of my stuff over, had movers move boxes and everything. And I downsized a lot to move into the trailer. And I had a little 192 square foot storage shed and my dad helped me put a loft into it. So all of my like keepsakes, and all of his now too, we've consolidated and gotten rid of so much. And what a liberating feeling for anybody who's done something like that before. And it's just less stuff to worry about. You don't, you know, you buy something, you don't use it. You feel guilt for not using it. You have to then store it, which takes up space and adds stress and it item, whatever it is, deteriorates. And then finally, when you come to terms with the fact that you haven't used it in 10 years and it's time to part with it, then you have to either dispose of it at the dump or, sell it online if it's still worth it or try to donate it. And all of that like sucks up more time. And it's like, if you hadn't, if you just hadn't gotten the thing in the first place that you, if you would have recognized and acknowledged that you didn't need it, then you would have never dealt with any of that. So um, that's an interesting realization and living in a trailer, definitely you're like, okay, I don't have space for that. So I'm not buying anything new. Or if I want to buy a new article of clothing, I have to get rid of one article of clothing, like a one for one swap kind of thing. And do I really need this because it's going to take up space and be more inconvenient. And then with the van, really, there's all these things you think you might quote unquote need. And so for us, after our first purge was, I think like a month in and we're like, okay, we have not used this in 30 days. That obviously means we don't need it. It might be nice to have in the nice to have category versus need to have. So you know, if it was that, we might say, okay, let's keep it for another 30 days. And then when we do the second purge, we'll see. But we were able to get rid of so much stuff and just having space and not having to worry about things like that has definitely been, that's been a nice feeling. Yeah. We did a, a pretty significant renovation and did some downsizing just because of weight issues. You know, we had a solar install, so we had to kind of totally, yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't understand that it's not just less space, it's less weight, but I have a, I have a, like a cargo bay that's just empty and I'll lift it open and people are like, well, how come there's not stuff in there? It's really weird. Like that's our <laughs> mentality. If we have space, we should be putting stuff in it. Yes. Like, yes. It's really, and it's taken me a while to kind of get like out of that mindset myself. I mean, I spent 45 years living that kind of lifestyle where, you know, it's the things that, you know, somehow define me. And, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, and I know you know this now, even in a short time, it's the experiences that really define you. It's the, mm-hmm. the relationships, the kind of a thing. It's just weird that we have to go through this. What would you say the square footage of the van is? I know sometimes not everyone kind of knows that, but what do you so, think? It is total from the nose to tail, 22 feet long um, and about five feet wide. So it's just for, for, I don't know the square footage off the top of my head, actual floor space, but for, um, for perspective, it's slightly smaller than a Volkswagen Westphalia pop top. So a little bit narrower and a little bit shorter. So it's quite small. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I think I've made this joke that there are prisoners listening to this and being like, wow, that's really small. But I get it. Like, uh, it's weird that even me and I'm, I all assume it's right around, you know, 400 square feet that I'm living in right now, 40 foot long, mm-hmm. eight feet wide. It, 
it it's changed me in a way that I just never thought. Like I'll never go back to uh, easily. I'll never go back to eight hundred square foot of home. There's just no way. It's yeah. such a waste of space in my head. Even if I had a bunch of kids still, again, you know, I mean, I just it's a waste of space. And and you know that more than me because I'm not living in a hundred square feet. And yep. that's yep. a whole and a hundred square feet with two. I think you know, just in case people, you when you are traveling with your boyfriend, that's yes, that's close quarters. Now you did say it's part time travel, so. Uh, help me understand that. What's your kind of like, uh, do you still have a home base somewhere or do you go back to the trailer? What is it? Well, the home base, I guess I would consider, um, I still have this, this campsite plot. I actually purchased it. It was kind of a weird, it's a bit of an unusual setup, but I purchased it and I have the ability to go back there and it have the, the facility has showers and laundry facilities and that's where my storage shed is. So I kind of consider that like quote unquote home, even though I don't, I don't plan on going back there to stay deliberately besides any other reason to check on it and do a little bit of maintenance if that's needed. But I said part-time more so because I kind of have open-ended plans. This is kind of a a full-time mobile living hiatus for one to two years. And then I wanted to mix in some international volunteering. And then I'm planning right now to go to grad school in New Zealand or Australia. So that would, I, I looked into van life there and you know, it's a big, a big thing, um, in Australia. And even this particular type of van I have is, is fairly common there. Um, there's a big off-road culture, but I just, I don't know that, um, I'll be able to park it anywhere in the city where this university is. And if it would be very practical to try to live in a van while I'm going back and forth to school full-time and then not have a place to park. And I'd probably have to pay someone for a slot to park the van anyway. So at that point I might just transition to, some kind of small living setup. Um, so that's kind of more so what I meant by part-time. And I may, after that, um, go back to a nomadic lifestyle after grad school, but I'm not, I'm not sure yet. Yeah. So it sounds like you're full-time for part-time. You know what I mean? Like yes, for that's sh- more accurate. Like full-time yes. for a short time, <laughs> which, you know, I mean, I, I talk to people all the time and they go full-time. I think there's this idea that you're going to do it forever. I, I don't know if that's really possible. I know people do, but it's such a small percentage, mm-hmm. but it's definitely worth at least committing yourself to a year to doing it. And then, you know, if you can add a couple more years, great. And I think it's great that you're going to try to do international. And then you even got my head spinning thinking, like, it's really sad that universities and colleges aren't thinking about this. Instead of, you know, plopping two, three people in a dorm room, I mean, how much better would it be if, you know, two or three of you could go together and buy some sort of RV, have a campground, you know, at school, but then, you know, boom, on a Friday, again, you're getting in it, you're going to do some journey and you come back summers, you travel the U S it would have been so cool. I don't know why people aren't, especially tech. That's such a good point. Yeah. Tech companies. I mean, I hear about it all the time where people like are literally, you know, when people were going into the office, they were there for like 18 hours a day. Cause there's showers, there's gyms, there's all this kind of stuff. Yeah. They literally go home to sleep. And I was thinking, why aren't these tech companies building campgrounds too? Or, you know, it's such a better lifestyle even if it's just tiny homes that don't move you know i mean it's still a better lifestyle totally um, and with the tech companies it's probably at some very a place that has a very high cost of living so someone's paying for this super expensive apartment to sleep there six hours a night yeah. and store their stuff basically which is kind of crazy to think about yeah i just i read a story recently where i think it's facebook that was going to start looking at where people that are going remote where they're living and talking about adjusting mm-hmm. their pay because they're not living in San Francisco anymore. And I thought that, what are you uh, talking about? You don't know if they were, you know, sleeping on a couch or, you know, there were 10 people in an apartment just because they now moved to Tennessee and it's, 
you know, a tenth of the living or whatever it is. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It was so weird to me. I was like, that's so messed up. You're going to pay people. That is. Yeah, it's it's wrong on so many levels. Um, so travel sounds like it's going good. I mean, how has it been uh, for you? I mean, like, how many states do you think you've done since November of 2020? Um, let's see. Washington, Oregon, California. Probably about eight by now. So I nice. our plan... You know, it, it was winter when we left, we left right on veterans day. And, um, so it was cold. So we didn't, we just were going South and spent some time in the Southwest and we weren't really planning on going any farther East than Mississippi, just to st- for a quick trip to visit my grandmother and then head back around and zigzag kind of through Colorado, Northern Arizona, Northern Utah, um, and then hit like Wyoming, Montana, you know, Glacier, Yellowstone. And then our plan um, so not really much anything East. And then our plan was to cross over to Canada and drive to Alaska, but just checking the website right now in terms of border trap or border crossing, it looks like it's still not open for just travel besides if you're moving or like have a job or something. So I'm not sure that's going to happen. So it might just be slowing down a bit more and then maybe creeping East a little bit more and then getting to spend some more time in Glacier and Yellowstone and some of the bigger the bigger parks. So not, not having to rush is a good thing. I'm not upset about it, but it would have been really cool to visit Alaska. And then one of the other things we're interested in doing with this, with this van is doing um, the trans America trail, which is primarily used or, or a lot um, used a lot by motorcycle, like dirt bike camping folks, and then like Jeeps four by four, but I'm not sure how far East it runs, but it, it runs basically across America, trans America, and it's all off-road trails and you can hop off and like visit a city if you need to resupply or whatever, but we were interested in doing some legs of that as well. So that may come more on the table now that Alaska may be out of the picture. Very cool. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about the rig. I know you've done some renovation to it. I think it's absolutely nuts that you were trying to travel and do renovation. Cause I just thought it was nuts trying to renovate while living in it. Like just that oh, alone. Gosh. I couldn't imagine living in it and traveling and like going from place to place to knock things out but let's talk a little bit about what you've done and i always have the question with the van because it it is a 50 50 where they don't have you know like a full bathroom or even a half bath in it so let's talk about your renovation and what you know just the van is like sure so it's a 1991 mitsubishi delica and it is imported from japan and it's a right-hand drive, so the steering wheel's on the right-hand side, and it has an aftermarket. Someone modified it and add a, added a pop-top on the top. And again, it's pretty small, slightly smaller than a Volkswagen Westphalia. Um, it's got a turbo diesel in it. It still goes, like if you're going up a mountain pass, you're going probably 35 to 40 miles per hour in the, the lane with the semis. So it's got, it's like a tractor. It, got, it has the ability to go up some really steep hills climb some really cool places if you're going slow, but if you're going fast, there's not a lot of power. So that's a little bit about it. Um, it is again, 1991, there's some importation limitations in the U S with like EPA environmental stuff. So if it's older than 25 years, you're allowed to import it any newer than that. And you have to wait. So these vehicles are starting to be seen more frequently around the U S for Canada. It only has to be 15 years old. So there's a lot, there's quite a big following in Canada, these vehicles, Um, But for renovations, you know, you, I'm sure you've seen all of the YouTube videos, van builds, everyone's social media with, you know, what people are doing. It's, it's, you know, kind of saturated right now with all the different projects people have going like beautiful wood paneling and, and, you know, cabinetry and all this stuff. And a lot of that looked really cool. And and then some of the vans that are similar to mine, either Delica's or 
Toyotas or Volkswagens have some that really nice work, but um, we just weren't able to do it before. We were both working full time and uh, my boyfriend lived four hours away. So, you know, getting off at like seven or eight at night on a Friday, driving four hours and then having to be back early enough on Sunday um, to get ready for work and then try to squeeze in a few hours of work when you're exhausted on the van renovations on the weekend just wasn't going to be practical. So that's why we didn't do anything. Um, and my boyfriend has the facilities, the tools, all of the equipment we would have needed and the experience to do like a nice build. It would have taken some time, but it would have been really nice. So we just had to compromise and again, do it on the road, use other people's space, use other, um, tools from home Depot or whatever. He was able to bring quite a few of his, but we, put a nice floor in. Um, and really the big things were, were the appliances we got, like figuring out the fridge, figuring out the solar. He custom built a roof rack out of 80-20 and was able to mount the solar panels up there. Um, and then the big piece for us in terms of like furniture, bed, table, all that kind of stuff um, was Ikea, which Ikea, you know, doesn't maybe have the most durable um, wood stuff. So like if you were going to put that in your van, you might have to be careful because of all the vibrations and moving, but we were able to find, you know, metal welded furniture, a couch and a coffee table that, so instead of building things from scratch, which would have been very difficult with rented tools, it was more so let's buy things that dimensionally um, fit and are structurally sound and functional and then modify them um, to fit our purposes. So that's more so what we did. So it's a Ikea couch, Ikea coffee table, bolted down and and using a six inch hacksaw to do some cuts and reattaching things, you know, um, kind of reinforcing things with some better bolts and, and some L angles and stuff and um, getting bins instead of, you know, complicating the situation with drawers and everything, have some bins that slide in and out from under the couch and it converts to a bed and that's pretty much it. So it was really simple, um, simple. It was inexpensive because of that. It was less time co- consuming because of that. And just like you said, it's so complicated living in it, let alone like trying to be transient in it and then feeling like you're burdening people because you're having to park in someone's space. So we tried to expedite things as much as possible. And it has been great so far. It sounds great. And it's actually one of the things that, you know, if I ever go back to a, like a hybrid where I have, you know, an actual bricks and sticks kind of tiny home, I do want something smaller that's really functional that allows me to go wheels up pretty quick. But then also, you know, go into areas that, you know, I mean, I'm boondocking out in the middle of Arizona right now. The roads are really pretty smooth, but there are Mm -hmm. areas that, you know, when I was like walking around, I was like, oh, it'd been so much better to be way back here, but there's just no way I'm taking the fifth wheel back there kind of a thing. So I I look forward to that too. And it sounds like there's a, reading some of the notes, there's an electric dirt bike too. You got to, I mean, is it just one of the ones that you're buying with the fat tires or is this an actual like, like motocross kind of bike? You know, like, yeah, it's, it's actually more of a dirt bike kind of it. It's, it's basically this company Their their, um, factory is in China and they've just started coming out with these bikes, um, within the past few years. And it's in the category of e-bike or electric bike. Um, but this, these particular people wanted to make a bike that was more so like sports and performance, um, kind of oriented. So it looks like we get so many people coming up to us all the time. Like, what is this bike? Like what, what kind of engine does this have on it? Or how many CCs is it? And it's an electric bike and, and Suron is the company. Um, and they distribute all over the world. Um, and then Segway has partnered with them to some degree and is also making or manufacturing in the U S 
a rebranded kind of version of the bike that is for all intents and purposes, the same bike. I think they're maybe a little bit more expensive and they have like two very minor differences, but they've partnered with the company. And then there's a lot of just imports. Um, there's a company in California, e-bike company that imports them, but yeah. So we use our solar panels, our 300 Watts of solar panels to charge the bike up. Um, and it's can go up to 50 miles an hour. So it, it can, it's, it's pretty small. Um, but my boyfriend's a big dirt bike rider and his perspective is it's so lightweight. It's 110 pounds with the battery in it, 80 pounds without. So it goes in the back of the van and doesn't cause the same issues that a 200 pound, you know, very large dirt bike would cause. Um, so there's that, it doesn't require really any maintenance besides just like oiling the chain, you know, charging the battery, but there's no fluids to change. There's no fuel we have to carry. Um, it's a lot, less to deal with just in general with maintenance and the solar panels, they charge it pretty well. It can go, um, from 20 miles. If you're riding it really hard with a heavier rider, um, if you put it in eco mode and you're going a bit slower and just out cruising around, you can go, um, according to the manufacturer up to 40 miles. We never like test it. Cause I don't want to actually get stuck and have to walk back from wherever we're at, but you can pop wheelies on it. It's a pretty cool little bike. Can you fit two people on it or just one? You can technically, but like if it were an emergency, so we kind of got it for that reason too, if we needed emergency transport, but it's not meant for that. So we kind of take turns on it if we're going to go ride it, have a ride for fun or, or whatnot, but we could put two on the back and it would still be lighter than having a full-size dirt bike on the back. So that was a thought, or maybe put one on the back and one on the front, but that might look kind of ridiculous. So we're still thinking about it. That's very cool. Yeah. I um, just recently ordered uh, an electric bike. Um, just because, man, I've had kayaks for the last four years, but the the amount of times I get to use my kayaks versus, like right now being out here boondocking, I would pull out the bike and go for a long ride and just check out the yeah. area in a heartbeat that I feel like I'd much rather have electric bikes than um, kayaks. And it's funny too, my son works for Super 73, which, okay. yeah, which is a cool electric, they're, they're almost, I, I would say they're like electric mopeds. And I think, I mean, don't quote me here, but I think they have the ability where you can like remove big brother that only allows you to go to 25 miles an hour, which I think is what allows people to have electric bikes without a, a license. I think if it goes over 25 miles per hour, yes. you have to have like yes. some sort of motorcycle license. Yeah. So, but they have like that's big, big brother that gets in there and you can like, you know, the average person can change the coding on it, I think is what's kind of funny. Yes. So it's like, these are advertised as e-bikes and the, just like you said, the speed restriction is it's 20, between 25 and 28, like you said, for, so it's street legal, but, um, on these, you can modify that by cutting a wire and then it's intended to be used exclusively as an off-road vehicle. So same, same kind of thing. It's pretty cool. No, for sure. I think I'm, I'm super excited about it. It was kind of hard cause I'm a big guy. Like I mean, I, I'm, I weigh about 280 now at six, seven, so it doesn't look okay. like, you know, but I, I Holy think, crap. Six, right. Seven. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it actually, I always make the joke six, six point six, but with a name like Damien, let's just round it up a little. That's a lot of sixes. <laughs> um, but it took me a while to find a bike that I wasn't lying. Like I had to find a bike that could handle 300 pounds basically. Cause even in my kayak yeah. is like a two fifty kind of ratio. And I was like, do I really want to get a tandem for myself? <laughs> you know, it's like that. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I can't even imagine how much I weigh if I actually worked out because muscle weighs more than fat. I'd probably be yeah for sure. <laughs> Anyways, less about me, but I think it is awesome. I talk to people all the time that I think no matter the rig setup you have, I think electric bikes or assisted electric bikes, I think they're phenomenal in the sense that I think it just gives you so many great options. And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, hiking and walking is great. Everyone should do it. Um, mm-hmm. But I do feel like this is going to like just change the game 
when we're just in small little towns and we don't want to drive the truck into town. So yes. I'm stoked that you Yes. Do. And like, also, you know, you think about just like you said, if you want to run an errand in a town, you're like, I need to go get something from the grocery, but I don't want to pack up my whole rig. If you have a van or just, you know, unhook the truck, do whatever you got to do. If you have a trailer or fifth wheel, like this is just so easy, hop on this thing and go. And it's so much more convenient. And then, you know, if you're in an emergency, you break down or something and you don't have cell service, you just need to, you know, go a few miles to get to cell service or to get, find help. You know, it's nice to have a little something that will help you with that, that, doesn't weigh much and you can power with your solar and it's it's definitely a nice thing to have no it sounds like it i think the ways i would like to use it and maybe if there's other rvers out there that are you know larger rvers that are listening is you know i get to this boondocking spot i kind of pull over as we first get here we jump in those bikes and we go do some scouting for like yes you know and then i go back and then you kind of figure i think would be very cool Um, i was thinking the same thing because you don't want to drive especially if you have a big rig like you, you don't want to get stuck on some road because you can't turn around or if you're out boondocking or see if the road's good or if there's any water crossings or whatever, you can do a good recon with that. Without a doubt. Yeah. I used to always think about setting, taking up the drone and doing that, but then I'm like, you really can't, oh. you really can't see like if there's like a, like an eight foot crater in the ground from a drone, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it doesn't really show up. <laughs> Trust me. I've made mistakes just looking at like Google maps where I was like, Ooh, I can pull around here. And I get there and it's like a 22% kind of like incline in their backyard, but it yep. looked like flat grass. And I was like, oh man, this isn't going to work. <laughs> so speaking of work, it sounds like you're not working right now. It sounds like you, you're you kind of just on savings, save some time, save some money, and you're going to be doing this. Is that right? Is there any just anything that's going on right now? Or is you just pure kind of adventure driving around? Well, I am, for the most part, it is just pure adventure driving around and Um, I wanted to take a deliberate moment to pause after just being kind of in a grinder for, for eight plus years and give my, give myself time to think about where I want to pivot my career to next, because a lot of friends I know are in, in the military who are, who are transitioning out of the military or just people in general. It's kind of like this race in life. Like you're in high school and you're like, okay, I just got to get to a good college and you get to college and you're like, okay, I just need to get a good job now. And then you get one good job either you stay in that and you're just like, I need to get that next promotion or like me, you switch out of the job and then you immediately jump into grad school or immediately jump into another job. And I don't think that's inherently bad, you know, in and of itself. But I think a lot of times, you know, if you jump the gun, you might miss out on just some time to reflect on what you've done in the past, what you think you might want to do in the future. Like, I know I didn't really have any quote unquote hobbies while I was working full time because it was just work and like the army consumed my life and that's not necessarily an optimal way to exist. So in figuring out what I want my next move to be in terms of grad school degrees and, you know, career transitions, I wanted to plan time to deliberately think, read, reflect, talk to people, meet new people, be alone, you know, experience things. And hopefully that gives me some clarity on where to go next. But I am, what I am doing is writing a lot because Um, I'd like to, in my next career, have that be part of what my job is. I don't expect to be like a quote unquote writer or author or anything um, like that, but I would like, if I could writing or education or content creation in some way to be part of it. And so I'm doing some just recreational writing for myself and then using that to build a writing portfolio for like both school and work. And then um, I'm helping out with some online editing type stuff of, of online content because I do like editing. I do it for all my friends anyway. And then I think it's just a complimentary, complimentary skill to writing. So in terms of 
actual work, I'm doing like a very minute amount. And it's more so to see like, Hey, experiment, like, do I like doing this? How much money can I make um, from doing editing kind of like when I feel like it and do I like that or not? And would I like to continue that even when I have um, full-time school to full-time job? So that's, that's pretty much the extent of it. Yeah. I'm going to go full dad mode on you and say that I feel like that's awesome in the sense of (laughs) setting yourself up for like a side hustle wherever down the road. I feel like we've gotten away from that in this country where we're telling people, you know, it's college, it's full-time job, it's one job, all your eggs, one basket. They have total control over you. They can decide Mm -hmm. to let you go. If you passed away, they would replace you in that job before your funeral. And I think people don't realize that, (laughs) right? And so the side hustle idea, or at least setting yourself up for that, is phenomenal. It's something I talk to my kids about all the time where it's like, I'd rather you have three part-time jobs than one full-time job that can just come in one day and say, Hey, we're going interesting. To yeah. Like a hundred percent. And one of them be yeah. one that you control. Like if you had an editing freelance business, you control that you decide yes. how much and unless you work, nobody else is controlling. I mean, I mean, in the sense your customers are, I get that. But I'm saying is someone can't come to you and say, that's it. You're not editing anymore. Um, so yes, I, I love yes. that. It's very smart, very smart. And also too, I mean, kudos to you in the sense of taking like a midlife retirement in a way. I think, you know, I, I just recently turned 50. I, I drive around, I see people that are in their late seventies, they finally retired. And this is probably the lifestyle that most people relate to living in an, a vehicle and traveling is you are retired. And I don't think I want to do this at 75. Yeah. Some of the hikes yeah. I've done, some of the adventures I've done, I just don't think I'd be able to do it. At I mean, you, you, you can't do, and it, it just is what it is, whether, you know, good, bad, and different, you can't, you simply can't do the same things that when you're 75, when you're 50 or when you're 30, you just can't like physically, right. you know, and things have more of an impact on you physically and it just, there's limitations. And so it's, it's, I, I recognize that I am very, it is a privilege that I'm able to do this and, you know, both a result of my personal life choices, but also a result of, you know, fortune, good fortune in my place in the world, you know, in, in conjunction with one another that I'm able to do this. And I'm really thankful for that. So I'm trying to use this time wisely and figure out what gifts I have, what ways I can contribute to humanity and where I can also make money to live off of and live optimally, but also contribute and be able to apply that in grad school and then whatever industry or, or work I end up doing. So that is kind of like my purpose, I guess, of this time off. No, no, it sounds, it sounds awesome. And you, you did say something and it's a good transition for us is you were saying there wasn't a lot of hobbies in kind of your, your old life, just because the amount of work, I think you really touched on something that I think a lot of people don't realize is, you know, by the time you're done work on Friday, you're pretty much toast. And then Saturday is that kind of like maybe your day off. And then Sunday is like getting ready for the week again. And so hobbies go out the window. I used to talk about all the time that I had a, you know, a paddle board and there are many times I'd say, Ooh, after work on Friday, I'm going to go and paddleboard. And, mm-hmm. and, but by the time you do the commute and you get back and you load the paddleboard, you're like, Oh, you know what? Forget it. Yep. <laughs> How have hobbies been for you? How have they changed? Uh, you know, what are you doing when you're not, you know, traveling? I mean, what is, and I usually say work and traveling, but because you're kind of taking a little break from the work, but when you're not working and traveling, what are you doing? Well, I very much enjoy write creative writing and kind of like dabbling in um interviews and like kind of investigative type stuff and I just like learning new things and I feel like in my in my previous job I was so inundated with with a large quantity of information and my time was consumed in such a way that 
that I was learning things, but there came a point of diminishing returns where it's not like I'm learning new things necessarily. I'm learning how to prioritize and manage my time better because I'm given a hundred things to do and only have time to do 10 of them. And so that's just a constant, you know, humility and, and lessons learned kind of, um, kind of teaching there. But in terms of new things, I, I didn't get to do that much. So like, just for me, I'm very interested in nature. I'm, I'm thinking I'd like to pivot to wildlife conservation, um, and or sustainable development. Um, after this, that's what I, my initial thought is at least. So I got to do on my way out of the army an internship with the fish and wildlife department on that base. And that was really cool. I did some like wildland firefighting. I did some wildlife biology type surveys of animals, some ecology stuff, some botany, like habitat restoration stuff. So a little, a wide swath of a lot of things. And that was pretty cool and kind of helped me figure out more specifically what I'd like and don't like, but I like nature stuff. I like taking photographs of nature and learning about nature. And I have since I was a little kid, but it came down to a choice between the army and nature. And, you know, I just became very interested in the army. So that's what I did. Um, but so there's that, all of the nature stuff and researching and learning. And so anything that takes me close to nature, whether it's hiking or walking on the beach, but you can always see me like squatted down on the ground, looking at a mushroom that I found, or like some weird bug that I found and like wanted to take pictures of it and learn more about what species it is and stuff. Kind of like you see kids do, because I kind of feel like a lot of ways my youth was like consumed by figuring out what university I was going to go to and like trying to get really good grades and not that it was bad, but I just... I'm getting to do a lot more of that now. So there's that. And then um, along with writing and then the the third big one is shuffle dancing. I don't know if you have any idea of what that is, but I, it's this form of dance that kind of um, looks like if you saw it, you had no idea. You might be like, this kind of looks like a cross between river dancing and people going to a rave. Like (laughs) it's, it's hard to describe if you've not seen it, but it's a really fun style of dance that people do all over the world. It originated, I believe in Australia, the Melbourne shuffle, but I mean, people do it. There's different styles. Now there's Malaysian shuffle, Cali shuffle, and it's this, the running man. If you, if that sounds familiar is, um, one of the most common moves you see in it, but it's such a good workout. It's free. I don't need to go to the gym. I just put a pair of headphones in and I learned how to do it off of YouTube all free. I don't need a gym subscription. I don't need any equipment besides the headphones and a pair of shoes. And I can do it anywhere. So that and jump rope, like have been the two big things. And then coming from a culture of the army where it's like, must do CrossFit, must lift big weights, must do 9 million pull-ups and push-ups and be really strong and walk 30 miles with a really heavy backpack, like that kind of culture, getting away from that and, and realizing that there's a lot more to health than all of those things, because not only are you doing really hard physical work, you're probably drinking a ton of caffeine taking a bunch of supplements and all these other things to try to make yourself perform well, but you're not sleeping right. You're not eating right. And so it's not, it wasn't really that healthy, that lifestyle. So with this, you know, focusing more on like, okay, having physical activity, but making it super fun. Like I can't, I can shuffle for like three hours and be having like a great time and then not do it for a week because I'm busy and I don't feel bad about not working out every day. So, so yeah, those are my, my three big things, finding, finding ways to interact with nature um, writing and then shuffle dancing and jump roping. That's very cool. I would say that shuffling is definitely like a 10 X of the running man. I mean, I feel like that's definitely, <laughs> that was like more my error for sure. And I see my kids, um, probably not my oldest, but the other three have all done some sort of form of shuffle dancing or created videos around it. The choreographed ones are like bananas. Like it's amazing 
what some of these people do in creating these like choreographed shuffle videos. I'm always blown away when I see them. Um, so yeah, if you don't know, what it's it is, totally cool. It is. It's very cool. It It is actually probably one of the, I don't want to say one of the easier kind of dances, but when you start to see people break it down, cause you'll run into these stories or TikToks where people are showing you it in slow-mo and then it just, you know, goes to the beat and like just takes off. But you're right. It's, I, I would almost assume too, when you were talking, I was like, I bet you there's shuffle classes, right? Like this has to be a thing where you're going to the gym when gyms like completely reopen and that's part of it. Cause I remember there were hip hop classes or all that kind of stuff. Yes, I would yes. assume that because shuffle is so high intense that there has to be. So I'm definitely going to find totally. one of your videos that you probably have a video, right? And I'm going to link it down below. I have to... so, I have so many videos <laughs> of me practicing. <laughs> I bet. I bet. That's awesome. Okay. Well, it sounds like you, I mean, it sounds like you're finding your way to uh, have all these creative outlets that were kind of blocked, which is great. I mean, I think that's the whole point of kind of, exploring and you know hobbies it is supposed to be that kind of release so that's amazing now in this lifestyle one of the things i like to do before i let people go to go is a little uh low and high high low it's, i mean i've talked about on the show something i used to do with my kids every day at dinner we would do this high low so they could see you know they're all you know at least 10 years apart in age and at least allowed them to see that as we are doing this lifestyle we can experience some of the same things so i like to start with the low but it can't be internet flat tire uh, or COVID in related, but what's been a low in this lifestyle that maybe you just didn't see coming that is uh, kind of hit you? Hmm. Well, I think, I mean, I, we just had, we haven't had too many extremely terrible situations, knock on wood. I'm sure there'll be plenty to come, but there's been, there's definitely been some low points. Like you said, I probably the worst one for us was, you know, you show up to a campsite area to boondock at night. And already that's more complicated, probably like impossible for some of the bigger rigs because you just can't see the road you're traveling on. But we're up in the mountains in Arizona and near the Flagstaff area, there was snow on the ground. It was super wet. So we proceeded to like get stuck in the mud trying to find this. It's dark outside. It's freezing cold and snowing. We finally get to a spot after we get unstuck and then open up the van to look for our heater, realize that we must have left it at a truck stop because we unloaded part of our stuff to to get to something and then didn't load it back up. So we didn't have a heater. And then in the process of looking at it, we knocked over soup all over the van and it went like down in nooks and crannies and crevices with, with the door paneling and between the windows and like under the floor because it's not completely sealed there and it down the wheel well. And then, so we were freezing cold and just said, screw it. We're not eating dinner. And it was cold, dark. We weren't in the mud anymore, but that was just a miserable night. And it's like, really during that time we're like okay i guess i mean we were both mad like about it because it was really frustrating and then we had to pull everything out of the van in the middle of the snow and then my boyfriend ended up tripping falling dropping the fridge and then like skinning up his leg so it was just one of those nights where one thing goes wrong after another and i think that probably everybody experiences those types of times one time or another um fortunately for us a disaster chaotic disaster of a night only happened once um but i think you know, things to learn from that is just your mindset and that things are unpredictable on the road. These things happen and trying to stay positive and then realizing it's part of the adventure. And it's probably something in 24 hours, you're going to be able to laugh about it in most cases, but there's not been any, you know, insane disasters, life limber eyesight kind of thing that have happened. Thank goodness. But yeah, that's pretty much was our worst night. And it's probably not that bad to compare to what some people have experienced. So I've been very fortunate there. I would say that I feel like this is the the moment that people have when they like rent it for a weekend 
and yeah. what you just described because there's such a steep learning curve when people talk about like, oh, if you want to really decide if you want a full time, you should rent for a weekend. I'm like, no, don't do that. You'll get so discouraged because that stuff happens. And I mean, that is a low to have that much stuff happen in the same 24 hours. And I totally get it. And, and that's part of why I like to talk about this lifestyle because I think a lot of people are like, no one would ever leave their heater. We're, you know, like that's completely us. And no, people do it all the time. I mean, it's just one of those things where I've pulled in the campgrounds and there's something sitting on the picnic table that's of value. And I'm like, oh, these people left it. You got to take it to the front. Yeah. We all do it. <laughs> like I, that's why everything has to have a place because then I can look at the place and be like, hey, why is that missing? Something's missing. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> that's good. Well, let's uh, let's transition to a high. I always like to end on a high. What's been the I can't believe this is my life kind of moment. I think for us, it's been you know, getting to some of the really cool, really steep, difficult to get to mountain overlooks, overlooking a lake with saguaro cactus or, you know, pine trees everywhere that like most people would have to take an ATV to get to. Um, but we're up there camped and you open the door in the morning and like the air is fresh and clean. All you can hear are birds. You have a beautiful view and you have cell signals. So you're working remotely or doing whatever you do. And it's like, wow, is this real life right now? And and just appreciating that has been probably a high point, you know, and that that perfect moment happens not every day, you know, but every every so often it's not infrequent that that kind of moment happens. And it's pretty amazing to think about how fortunate we are to have the opportunity to to do this. No doubt. No, I mean, that's again, you know, I always talk about when people say, why do you call it rootless living? And if I called it anything full-time RV or, or anything of that mm-hmm. nature, I would have lost a lot of the van lifers. You know, I'm not saying I would have lost to you, but there are people that like it strictly has to be in and around. I'm not an RVer. I'm, you know, a, a van lifer. And that lifestyle is actually really different because of the access that you can get to. Like it's one of those things that I, I definitely see a difference in that you guys can get to areas that just these class A's and some of these fifth wheels will just never get to. And Mm -hmm. it's definitely different. I mean, I've interviewed people that are trying to find, they're pulling the 40 footer, but they're trying to figure out a way how to make their truck more of an overlander kind of situation so they can take like a weekend away from the RV and go deep, you know, up in the mountains or out in the desert. And I'm like, that's actually really kind of smart. You know, that is is cool for like a day or two. It's a good high. I mean, it really is. I appreciate you sharing it. Now I want to make sure people know where they can find, um, you know, look at the renovation, check out the shuffle videos. Where can people find you and connect with you? Where are you at? And I'll link it down below folks. So you don't have to write it down, but where can people find you, Kayla? Sure. I have a website called, um, a captain's log. So it's just www.acaptainslog.com. And I'm kind of like chronicling travel stuff, but also doing a lot of military transition resources that are less well known to members that are getting out of the military and trying to provide information for them. So there's that website there. And then, um, probably my most frequently used platform after that is just Instagram. And the username is captain Kayla. So it's captain with a K dot Kayla K A Y L A. Awesome. And again, I'll link that both of those down below so people can find it. Kayla, thank you so much for rescheduling. Thank you so much for coming on the show and telling your story. It was awesome to get to know you. Thank you so much for having you. Thank you for rescheduling for our first miss as well. Well, another great episode. Big thank you to Kayla for coming on the show and sharing your story. And again, thank you for your service. And I'm excited to see your journey and where you end up in the future. If you want more information or to connect with the guests that have been on the show today, just head down into the show notes, click on any of the links. And if you do reach out to them, let them know you heard them on the Rootless Living podcast. 
Also, just a friendly reminder, if you're enjoying the Rootless Living podcast or the magazine, make sure to let your friends and family know by sharing us on your favorite social media channel. It's a really big help in getting the word out. And if you use the hashtag Rootless Living over on Instagram, we're going to share it as well. And like always, if you think you know someone that would make a good guest or that guest might even be you, please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com and let's see if we can help tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.